This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who cuts his grass like he's mad at it. He is the captain. Oh, grass, I'm not mad at you. I'm just pissed off at my coworkers. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week we are drinking Focal Banger by The Alchemist, garage grade four out of five bottle caps. Focal Banger is an American India Pale Ale ABV 7%. At The Alchemist, they have a real love for IPA, and everything is brewed with a heavy focus on freshness and control, so you know you will be drinking a fresh, clean, and delicious beer. And this week we are drinking because of our good friends right here. First up, we have Martha in Pittsburgh. And a big shout out to John in Ramona, California. And a tip of the cap and a cheers of the glass to Carrie. She's an artist in Wilmy, North Carolina. And a big cheers, mates, to Stephanie in Eugene, Oregon. And here's a cheers to Kristen in Lanesville, Indiana. And last but not least, we have Nicole from Northern Ireland. So thanks to everybody for helping us out with this week's show. If you want to help us out with a future show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. If you'd like to support the garage, go to our website, sign up on the mailing list, or click on the store page and pick you up a t-shirt. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. According to Barbie's friend Michelle, Michelle dropped Barbie off near the bike shop that we have discussed, as well as near her boyfriend's home, Jerry. So we need to discuss what are the possibilities of what happened after 3.30 a.m., where we have nobody else who has come forward saying that they saw her 
after that time period. So let's pretend that either she decided not to go to Jerry's house or that she did, in fact, go to Jerry's house. He was not home and there was no one there to let her in or, or nobody answered the door. One thing that I find curious here, Captain, is this situation of if she, in fact, wanted to go to Jerry's house, why not just drop her off right at Jerry's house? Yeah. And I know that 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 was my initial immediate thought and reaction to finding out that she that we knew her whereabouts until about 3.30 a.m. that morning. Mm-hmm. Again, though, these are younger people. Barbara is not even an adult yet, and it's 3.30 in the morning. I don't know that she would just pull right up to Jerry's house, get out of Michelle's car, walk up, and ring the doorbell. Yeah. So I would I would be curious to find out from Michelle or if any of Barbara's friends from way back then, if they have any idea or clue as to how this would typically go down because I'm kind of guessing here, but if they had been on and off for about a year, I'm wondering if this was not so entirely uncommon that this wasn't the first time that she thought about showing up at Jerry's in the middle of the night. Was there some type of procedure that they had, you know, you the throw the little rock, the little pebble at the window, or did she in fact call Jerry earlier that night we know that she called her parents and we don't have anybody saying that they were present or around barbie when that call was made so is there a chance that she called jerry as well and said hey i'm gonna be here till the bar closes and i might come over to your house afterwards well and that would make some sense because again hypothetically let's say she calls jerry she can't get a hold of jerry Mm -hmm. this would make sense on why she would call her her parents she normally doesn't call her parents to let them know where she's going to go or what's happening, but maybe she called in hopes that Jerry called and left a message. That's a possibility. I also think that it might be likely, too, that there was something else going on with the Blatnick family that she may not have wanted to miss out on. We mentioned that her sister and mother went shopping. They did a shopping trip the next morning. Right. Is there a chance that she was asked if she wanted to go on that trip And this unusual call for her to call home is her saying, hey, I'm on my way home. And that's, you know, I want to be a part of that shopping trip tomorrow or letting them know I will be home tonight. So don't allow me to miss out on the events of tomorrow. Yeah, wake me up tomorrow. Yeah. So back to the boyfriend Jerry thing, though. I mean, it it wasn't this wasn't something that that you or I did every night. But I have to imagine I know with myself and I'm sure with you as well that there was more than one occasion where you call a friend and say, Hey, I'll meet you in your backyard at 1130 or I'll meet you in your backyard at two in the morning. And you sneak out of your house and you go meet your buddy. Well, sometimes it's hard to remember times before cell phones. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was very common or it was also more common just to swing by somebody's house just to see if they're there. Possibly, but what I'm getting at is with Jerry's home and with this with this possibility of her going over there, with there not being cell phones, if I was going to meet up with a buddy at one in the morning or two in the morning in, in somebody's backyard, you did that because you couldn't call their house that late at night to let them know, hey, I'm outside. 
right. or you couldn't ring the doorbell because you'd wake up their parents. So I'm talking about being 15, 16, 17 years old, sneaking out and meeting up with somebody. Is there Was there a procedure, if they had done this before, that they would not necessarily meet at Jerry's house, not necessarily meet on his front at his front door. You yeah, know what I mean? Meet Where they could the street. Yeah. Meet me at, uh, uh, in the churchyard or meet me in my backyard at this time. And I can actually think of a time or two where I went to meet the person and for whatever reason, they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. You don't panic. You just leave because you're like, Oh, their mom or dad must've caught them sneaking out the window or trying to get out the back door. Yeah. The guy that sh- didn't show up, he actually told me he didn't like you. So whatever may have happened here, let's say that she decides to do something else other than to go to Jerry's or for whatever reason that meetup didn't take place. And I don't mean to sound a little douchey here, but to toss out the the old anything's possible, but this could be as simple as drop me off down the street so I can smoke a cigarette before I get to his house. Drop me off down the street because I want to walk off this buzz I have. It could be so many things. Oh, yeah. There's a bazillion options here. But what we what we can go, the rabbit hole we can go down is this. She didn't meet up with Jerry. She didn't get into Jerry's house or whatever that meeting was supposed to be. Let's say that didn't take place. Or she changed her mind. A bazillion things, like we said. Right. Regardless, that meeting doesn't happen. She would find herself on the street. At close to 4 a.m. So what would she likely have done at that time? Well, we do know we've spoke with some of her friends and spoke with her sister. So we do have some thoughts on that. My first thought is she could have went over to see if anyone was still at the bike shop. This is just a short walk away from where she was. If she if she did do this, she could have run into anyone, including... There was a person that was named an ex of hers named Dave, who was at a party that night at the bike shop party at some point that night. Mm -hmm. Apparently, police looked at this guy pretty hard. Apparently, he had an alibi for the time when Barbie went missing. There's another option that she could have proceeded down the street to where her very close friend Gina lived. Now, we've not yet mentioned Gina. Gina was living with her boyfriend just two blocks up Grand Division Avenue. She was in a relatively new relationship, and her boyfriend Rodney did not want her to go out and hang out on Warner Avenue the night before with Barbie. Now, Gina says that Barbie had called her on that Saturday in question and asked her to come out with her, but Gina declined, a decision that she says she later regretted adding that if she had been with Barbie that night, no one would have messed with her. Mm-hmm. Apparently, according to Gina, her boyfriend at the time was one of three brothers who were not only known in the area, but kind of feared in the area as well. Yeah. According to Gina, Barbie did not make it to her house that night, but I point out that as being an option for two reasons. One, it's not terribly far from where she got dropped off. It's her very good friend, and she she would be under the belief that her friend is at home because she spoke to her earlier that day. She's not coming out. I'm not coming out. I'm staying at home. Yeah. So maybe she wanted to see her friend. Now, we know she didn't arrive there, but is it possible that something happened to her on on, on her way. route to that way? Yeah. yeah. And again, it's a, it might be a punt, but 
She gets dropped off. She tells her friend she's going to Jerry's house. She goes over to Jerry's house. There's nobody there. There's no lights on. Oh shit! What I'm going? What am I going to do? Let me head towards a friend's house. Yeah, she's she's been drinking or doesn't want to go home yet. I'll drop in on Gina and see what she's doing. Okay, so there's another option here, and it's just plain and simple that maybe Barbie decided to walk home from that location. How far away is it? Well, I don't have the exact distance here, but what is interesting is it's a much further walk if she were to stick to the streets. But there's a park that she could have cut through. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not terribly far from where she lives. I do know that, but I don't have an exact, you know, miles or anything here. If she chose to cut through the park, it's four in the morning. Right. If anything's going on at the park, it's nothing good. Right. And if, if anyone's there, yeah, they're nothing good too. This is Jack Donovan park with, it had baseball fields and wooded areas. This was in fact, between Barbie where she would have been near Jerry's home and her home. So perhaps someone seized upon her in the park while she was making the cut through. Right. Barbie's family said that she would never accept a ride from a stranger, but they did add that she would have taken a ride from somebody that she knew. And of course there's always the possibility that she was snatched off the road, maybe from the park, whatever, and just thrown into a car against her will. One well, with that rabbit hole again, yes, somebody picks her up, throws her in a vehicle, fine. But also, this is the age where, I mean, how many times did you end up at a party or end up in somebody's car that you you knew from school or knew they were a friend of a friend? You know, so this this makes it wide open if somebody saw her. That was just an acquaintance, you know, so they're saying, yeah, she wouldn't get into a car with a stranger, a complete stranger, but she might get into a car with, you know, local Jack that she kind of knows. Well, and I mean, consider this, she's dropped off at three 30 in the morning. We've only looked into this case for about a week or so, and we've already identified three possible places that she could have gone to. And she would have known multiple people there. That's where I circle back to what the detectives were saying at the time and even 10 years after the fact, where they say, look, she was a popular kid, had a ton of friends. We interviewed everybody that we could think of, and we're we're not coming up with any suspects here. And and part of the issue they're saying is there could have been, just like you pointed out, the the possibilities do seem somewhat endless. Mm -hmm. They're saying, look... There's so many options here of whom she could have been with. And until we find somebody saying that they saw her with somebody or somebody saying that she was with me, we got this marker of 3.30 a.m. And that's where the road dead ends for us. Yeah, but that goes back to your breaking down those categories of these teenagers or or early 20-some-year-olds that don't want to talk, that don't want to get in trouble. Or get their friends in trouble. Right. And so it goes back to that. Is there... It almost seems like there's a piece of the puzzle missing that possibly could be given to us by one of these individuals. Well, here's the thing, too. Look, man, it's been 30 years. If you saw Barbara that night, if you hung out with her after 3.30 a.m., or if you can add further detail 
to uh, the regarding story, yeah. that night. Now's the time. I mean, the shit, the time was decades ago, but right, right. it's never too late to do the right thing. And nobody gives a shit if you were underage drinking or smoking a dube. Yeah. Just help us out. Tell somebody something. You know, add to the timeline. Help police. Maybe they'll get back involved in this thing. And what, what was the uh, Facebook page again? I believe it's Justice for Barbara Blatnick. So they could contact the page as well. Correct. Correct. But regardless of these endless possibilities, the reality is where we sit today, that after 3.30 a.m., no one is saying that they know where Barbie was or what she was doing or how she ended up on the side of O'Neill Road in Cuyahoga Falls. Yeah. Now, after Barbara was killed, the media in the Akron area was quick to highlight her murder. Multiple stories ran about the case in the days that followed the discovery of her body. This is particularly because murders in the area were relatively rare. Yeah. In 1987, there were only nine women murdered in Akron proper. I want to point out that Barbara is not part of that statistic. Akron police had about an 88% solve rate on average. Not bad, right? 88% solve rate. Mm -hmm. But Barbie's case drew special attention, and not just because it was the brutal murder and rape of a pretty young girl. Barbie's murder was the tipping point in the eyes of many who believed that a serial killer was at work in Summit County. Mm-hmm. As of the end of 1987, there were four cases of murders of women which remained unsolved and which the police did not seem to have any leads on. All of these involved bodies dumped in a diamond pattern on the map of northern Summit County within just a few miles of each other. All were middle-class white females living in a low-risk area, low-risk lifestyle, who were last seen going about their usual daily routine in very safe neighborhoods, only to be found murdered within a short time period. Okay, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I'm following. Go ahead. One, these bodies were laid out. Seems like a diamond pattern if you look at a map. Yeah, if you're looking at a map, it, it would... It would look like a diamond pattern some people have pointed out pointed out that pattern that it means something some people have pointed out that that adds to the serial killer theory mm -hmm. and so then all these women were living high risk lives low risk lifestyles low risk low risk lifestyles and they all were in very safe neighborhoods i think what's more important scratch the diamond pattern throw that out the window that right. seems like some Hollywood shit to me. Mm -hmm. What seems more important is that we have similar victimology and all of them are within a few miles of each other, right? All of these, all but one were found stabbed and all but one were raped. Mm -hmm. All were found out in public spaces. No weapons were found in any of the cases and all of them had occurred within the last four months of 1987. This series of murders was causing near panic among the residents of the area articles appeared in local papers about women being afraid to leave their homes. Gun sales spiked and pepper spray tear gas and mace flew off the shelves. Okay. So, and then in these four cases, 
did they believe that the attacks happened where they, the bodies were found, or were they, did they happen somewhere else? Well, we're going to dive into each one of these cases, okay. and we'll look at each one of them specifically rather than, uh, you know, just doing it as a whole. Mm-hmm. But there, there were calls to hotlines, to rape hotlines that were going through the roof. This is women looking for advice on how to protect themselves. And self-defense class registrations shot up. Now, I will. I want to point something out. Anybody that has never done self-defense classes or has considered it, but for whatever reason has not gone around to it, I highly encourage these types of classes for a million reasons. I'll name just a couple. One, it's going to give you some tactics that you do not know. These are life-saving tactics, as well as the confidence to to push through this type of situation. Right. I don't know karate, but I know crazy. There were rumors at, at the time that were spreading about perpetrators lying in wait for women, hiding under their cars, cutting their ankles with knives, or disguising themselves as old ladies asking for assistance and then attacking women. This is something that you often see in a situation where there's there's cause to panic. We have the general public that are coming up with these folklore type stories in an area. We got four murders that took place in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And all that the public knows is that these murders are unsolved. Regardless of how many perpetrators it was, they're still out there. So police are going to step up manpower. They did issue statements assuring the public that they were on it and debunking these wild stories that were circulating through the county. In response to public outcry, a task force was in fact formed. This is just days after Barbie's death. They wanted to get to the bottom of these murders. The task force was formed by Summit County Prosecutor Lynn Slabby and included Akron, Cuyahoga Falls, Hudson Township, the Office of Summit County Sheriff, and the we also have the Coroner Cox that we mentioned earlier, as well as representatives from the FBI. Prosecutor Slabby said there have never been this many homicides in this short of a time without one or more being resolved. We cannot tolerate this. The plan was for the task force to share information, get centralized. They wanted to do a computer database, which we've talked about. And I think the first time I recall us talking about this might have been during the course of the Ted murders. Uh, which we know eventually led to the arrest of Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. They wanted to get this centralized computer database put together with information on all of the murders and then work together, all these different agencies. Now, one Akron detective at the time said, any idea is a good one, and hopefully we will be able to gain some information. We don't feel the murders are related, but it doesn't hurt to get together and exchange ideas. So let's take a quick look at the other three murders, as you have inquired, Captain. These three murders that stumped police preceded Barbies. Authorities believed at the time that none of the victims knew their killer or killers, which made the cases very hard to solve and investigate. Right. Here are the three victims. The first is Janice Christensen. So on Monday, August 10th, 1987, in Hudson, 31-year-old Janice Christensen laced up her running shoes, 
Janice was a computer operator at Cuyahoga Falls General Hospital, and she was also a fitness enthusiast who liked to run. Mm -hmm. Many days she brought along with her her very large 70-pound dog named Wolf. But for some reason on this day, she did not. Around 9.30 a.m., she got into her vehicle, a Toyota Tercel, and headed out to the Metro Park District Bike and Hike Trail in Hudson for her run. When Janice didn't show up for lunch with her mom, this being very unlike her, and when her husband Ken arrived home from work at 5.45 and didn't find her there, and then checks with mom and finds out she hadn't shown up for lunch, he calls the police and he filed a missing persons report. After spending a very uneasy night alone at home, I mean, he can't sleep. And it's like 6.30 in the morning, he decides, I'm going to go out and look for her. Yeah. He knows that she was going to go out for a run. I'm guessing that he knew the areas that she preferred to run because he ended up heading to the very same trail that Janice had went to. And this is around 6.30 a.m. He brought the dog with him. He and the dog walked the path, and Wolf started acting very strange and was alerting to some bushes. Unfortunately, there, hidden in the brush, was Janice's partially nude body. Her husband said he touched her arm, it was cold, and he noticed dried blood on her shirt. Later, police determined that Janice had been raped and stabbed to death in the chest, they say about 10 a.m. the day before, when she had gone running. This was a very popular recreational trail, and if it was, in fact, that she was murdered at 10 a.m., this would have been in broad daylight. Right, and you'd think that somebody would have saw something. Yeah, and we talked about safe areas and safe neighborhoods. This was the first serious crime ever to happen since the trail opened in 1973. I've actually been to Hudson quite a bit. It's a nice area. Whoever killed Janice, they were either brazen enough to do it in a public area in broad daylight or dumb enough to do it that way. Mm. Her car, and this is the weird part, man, her car was found in a drugstore parking lot in Bedford. But police have stated that they believe that she was killed near the trail where her body was found. Right, so somebody took her keys, moved her car. Yeah, and Ken was looked at. Uh, the couple apparently was having some type of marital troubles that they may or may not have resolved. Isn't everybody having marriage? If you're married. You have problems. You have problems. <laughs> That's the rules, right? Yeah, the report was that whatever these troubles were, they were resolved. And that resolved so much that the couple was planning on moving together to Florida. Police weren't able to link Ken or anyone else to the murder and no weapons were found in this murder. Janice's murder remains unsolved. Coroner Cox collected a DNA sample left from the rape, but nothing has come of it and nothing has been stated regarding that publicly as well. Our next victim is Joanne Bartholomew. Two months later, this is after Janice's murder. Just two months later, on Wednesday, October 21st, 47-year-old Joanne Bartholomew headed out alone to an evening church service. Joanne's husband, Chuck, often accompanied her, but on this night, he was busy working on opening the couple's second Dairy Queen franchise. 
Now, Joanne made it to the 8 o'clock service, and then she headed to the mall. She was seen at a store called O'Neill's looking at VCRs. And according to police, she made a purchase there. Chuck got home around 9.30, fell asleep on the couch. Around midnight, the couple's son woke him up and saying, look, mom's not home. She's still not home, and her car's not in the driveway. Yeah. So father and son go off in the car to look for Joanne, driving the route to the church and back because they didn't know that she had gone to the mall, so they didn't bother looking there. Chuck called churchgoers from the night before to ask if they had seen his wife after the church service. They had not. Then he called the police and reported Joanne missing by 7.30 the next morning. After Chuck and Tom decided to go back out and drive around in daylight hours. This time they spotted Joanne's Cadillac. It was parked in an outdoor lot at the Chapel Hill Mall. This is close to the mall entrance. Joanne's poor husband had to open the trunk of the car in the company of police, but to their relief, it was empty. Police theorized that Joanne never re-entered her car after shopping. Chuck's relief was short-lived because on Saturday at 3 p.m., Joanne's body was found in a wooded area behind the Best Products store at the mall. She was found face up, partially naked, raped and stabbed to death in the neck and chest. No knife or other evidence was found. Joanne had also been robbed. According to the Akron PD, her purse and credit cards, including the one used to make the purchase at O'Neill's, were taken. Her things were found in two separate locations. One set of credit cards and ID were found by a jogger dumped about three miles away in North Hill. And some more cards were found by someone about two miles away in Patterson Park. That makes you wonder if the person was on foot. Police searched the park and found the missing purse as well. Except for the robbery, the case looked very similar to that of Janice Christensen, and the public began to be concerned. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL 
is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. 
Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Right, we're back. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, ahoy. Unfortunately, Captain, we have another victim in this string of murders. The, the task force is going to have to investigate. Now, this is the murder of Marsha Potter. On Monday, December 14th, Marsha Potter, age 36, she was getting ready to leave bingo at her church. This is around 10.30 p.m. Marsha was a wife, mother, and a dental office receptionist. She was in the company of her parents on that evening. This is in North Akron, not far from her home. Marsha was reported to be very safety conscious. She made a point of double checking that her car doors were always locked. And she even counseled her friends and family to do the same. Now on this night after bingo, Marsha's parents walked her to her car in the church parking lot. They saw her lock the doors and then drive off. But by 4.30 a.m. on Thursday morning, Marsha's husband Larry was alarmed that she had not come home. So he calls police. It didn't take long to find her. At 11.30 p.m. Wednesday, Marsha's body was found inside of her car by residents in an apartment complex on North Pershing Avenue in North Akron. This is just six blocks, just six blocks from her home. Yeah. She was lying on the floor or the seat. The reports vary, but she was stabbed to death in the neck. Newspaper reports are also, they also report that she was robbed. The Akron police said that Marsha's purse was emptied and several credit cards were missing. Now there are some interesting things about Marsha's case. She was not raped. She was found fully clothed. And media reports were that the doors of her car were still locked when her body was found. Akron police theorized that she might have been killed elsewhere and then driven to that spot by the killer. Again, with this crime, no murder weapon was found. Some final thoughts on the murders, these four murders, and the task force that was assembled. There was a lot of disagreement right off the bat about whether the cases were even, in fact, related to one another. We have Detective Sam Messina and other Cuyahoga Falls police spokespersons who told the Beacon Journal repeatedly that Barbara's murder had no similarities to the other three cases of murdered women in Summit County. 
Coroner Cox seems to agree with these statements. Investigating officers in North Akron felt that it was likely that Marsha Potter was killed by someone she knew. They're basing this off of the thought and fact that she was found in her locked car, implying that maybe she had picked someone up. Also, her case, she was not raped. I guess they had a a strong suspect in her case, but there was never an arrest made, so I'm guessing they didn't have enough evidence in Marsha Potter's case. Well, it's difficult, too, because it kind of seemed like a robbery as well, so you can go under the can go down the rabbit hole that maybe she knew the person, but it's also possible that she just didn't have a door locked when she was driving. And I guess generally investigators did not feel that Barbie's case fit the pattern if there was a pattern going on, right? One, we can point out some things here that are obvious from the get-go. She's much younger than the other three victims. Right. She lived 30 miles away, which I think is a huge indicator that it might not be connected. And she was strangled, not stabbed. But not so fast, because do you feel like the three other than Barbie's case were connected? That's a tricky one. I actually think that two of them are connected, and the other two have no connection to any of the others. Yeah, so it seems like the first two that you discussed... The first two seem very similar. Yeah, well, there's a park involved, and that's the only reason why I would go, okay, well, 30 miles away, yes, but possibly Barbie would have cut through that park to reach her house. So that puts a park into play. And I know that's a stretch, but the first two had parks possibly involved. Where I would say that there could be the possibility that we have similar cases is Barbie's case would fit with the first two in the fact that it looks like the, the first two victims were just kind of snatched out in public. Yeah, and it was a it seemed like a the motive was sexual. Right, one hundred percent. And and same way in, in Barbie's case as well. Mm-hmm. Well, sadly, all of these cases, whether they're connected or not, went cold and they actually went cold very quickly. By August of nineteen eighty eight, this is the first anniversary after the murder of Janice Christensen. She was the first one murdered. Yeah. Hudson police said that they had little hope of solving the case. What a kick in the freaking pants, right? Less than a right year. Right in the grundle. Right. We got a year later and we have the police straight up saying, we have little hope of solving this case. But, but don't they have DNA? They did. But that didn't mean anything in 1987 that, right, right, or right. 1988. Yeah, they didn't have a crystal ball to know that, hey, Right. One day. But again, that's like, it seems like they would be able to test all this stuff by now. I mean, you'd think this is not like a, some, you know, dirt poor area that they don't have tax money coming in for these people to do their jobs. Right. So it just seems like, uh, I wonder what it'd feel like to be a detective the day that they caught Golden State Killer. Just to go, oh, shit. Now, think about the hundreds of cases that are not solved that have DNA that they can start doing this test to. Well, that's the thing, though. That's what we're doing here, essentially, is reminding everyone that these cases are unsolved. There was evidence collected in these cases. If that evidence is still around and still exists, 
let's see if we can do something with it. Yeah, yeah. The Beacon Journal, this is also another not uplifting thing to report here, but what was reported was that the task force never really got off the ground. It stalled because the information sharing software wasn't yet completed, so the task force basically just kind of fell apart. And the other thing, too, that seems like the case for the task force, in their defense, frankly, there just weren't leads to pursue in some of these cases. So police did admit that they were never close to an arrest on any of these four cases. And still to this day, there's no consensus about whether they were looking for one killer, two, three, or maybe even four different killers. Right. Again, because it's not clear, even with the autopsy of Barbie's case, is it, are we looking for one individual or two? And if we're looking at two, then I would say that this, this case is definitely not connected to the other three. And I lean more towards what you were saying, that the first two seem more likely to be connected if any of them are connected, those first two. We don't know about the third one. Maybe that's, maybe that's a robbery. Maybe that's somebody that she knew. In Barbie's case, maybe it's two individuals. And if that's the case, then but it's like, couldn't they come out and tell us that? Are we looking for one person or two? Do you want to hear a theory? This is this is an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. I, I want to pass along the theory that Barbara's family told us. Yes. Right? Her sister Donna says Barbie's family does not believe that her case is related to the other three murders. According to Donna, word on the street after Barbie's brutal slaying was that her sort of boyfriend, Jerry, may have been responsible. This along with two other men who were brothers. Mm. Donna believes that Barbie got into a car with these guys that night and they drove around drinking, maybe doing drugs, and then something went very wrong. I'm not, I want to be clear. We obviously know Barbie's death was not an accident at all. So nothing wrong like that. Something occurred and one, two, or all three of these men were involved in the murder of Barbara Blatnick. Now, Donna says that Barbie... They they would be involved in her rape as well. One, two, or three of them, yes. According, According to this rumor, according to word on the street, and according to the theory that the family seems to believe. Now, Donna made sure to point out that Barbie was a tough cookie. She was a fighter. She had been in several physical fights in the past. There are people that knew Barbara who have pointed out that it may have taken multiple men to to overcome her. So this is where this thought gets, in theory, gets some legs here from people that knew Barbara. Now, Donna also heard a rumor that a car matching the description of Jerry's car was seen that night in the Blossom Music Center area. We do know that police searched Jerry's home at one point in the investigation. They didn't find anything. Now, just a few years ago, a local man named George was drunk in an area bar and recounted a story to a friend of Barbie's named Kelly. This drunk guy, George, said that on the night of Barbie's death, Jerry and the two brothers that we had mentioned came to him for help. They wanted help cleaning out their car 
with bleach, and they wanted him to help them wash their clothes. Mm-hmm. When he asked why they need his help, what is this mess, what the hell's going on, they say, one of them tells him, we just killed Barbie Blatnick. So this Jesus. this woman, Kelly, relayed this story that she hears from this drunk guy, George, one night to Barbie's best friend, Gina. Remember the one who decided not to go out right, that right. night? The one with the new boyfriend. Gina takes this information and passed this along to a detective. According to Gina, her thoughts on this scenario was that the detective did not seem overly interested in this information. But that's hard to say. If there is any truth to this story, and George is not a lying drunk, then it's unlikely that the Blatniks, they may never see closure. Because here's some problems with the current state of, of this case. Yeah. I hesitated there for a second, Captain. I was going to say current state of the investigation. I'm, I really feel like in this case, there's no investigating currently going on. But anyway... If, yeah. if, in fact, this is true, they may never see closure because Jerry and one of the brothers named by this George guy, both of them are deceased by now. Right. And even if there is DNA that remains in Barbara's case, we don't know if it was ever tested against Jerry or the brothers. And now it, it could be too late to test. You know, it's, it's too late to test these two men. No, it's not too late. Dig up their bones. Well, the other thing, too, is that it's always possible that one of them could have killed her but not left their DNA. I don't want to go down that road too far because I'm not very comfortable with with some of the things that we think that happened, that occurred during the attack of Barbara. Right. But, But what I'm getting at here is there's a chance that more than one person was involved maybe even as many as three if we're going to believe this rumor or this theory or, or thought that yeah. that one of the perpetrators didn't leave behind any evidence. Well, and, and, yeah, and let's hold our horses for a second, too, on the idea that, that maybe that law enforcement didn't care. Because what I've noticed or what I've come to find the more I've hung out with local detectives in, an our, in our area, and when they talk about cases, there's a lot of cases that, they believe they know what happened. They just can't prove it. And so if you have your coroner telling you, I think there's multiple people involved in the rape, which would be mean that there's multiple people in the murder, multiple people in the cover-up and the dumping of the body. And now maybe not law enforcement in uh, Cuyahoga, but law enforcement in the, you know, in the area of, uh, that Barbie grew up in, they probably heard these rumblings of these rumors. And you might have a a bunch of circumstantial evidence, but like you said, we have two people dead, so it's not like you can start rounding them up and turning them against each other. Mm-hmm. So it could be one of those situations where they've heard these rumblings. Maybe that's why they didn't seem so interested, you know, like, because mm-hmm. they're... But it's like, 
and I don't even know what you do as a detective. What do you do if you go, I, this is what I think happened, but I can't prove it. Well, but on top of that, and I wanted to make sure that we came across, we th- well, I want to make sure that we're clear on this. Right. When we state that, we're saying that Gina says, when, when I pass this information along, I didn't feel that the detective found it very interesting. Right. Now, I don't know Gina. I've never spoken to Gina, so I don't know exactly how this went down or what gave her those thoughts and feelings. But a detective isn't going to jump out of his chair and go, oh, I got a live one here. Right. You know, they're, City. they're going to take in the information and and take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are times when they take the information and don't look at it. I mean, we're not going to sit here and pretend that that never happens. Yeah, I actually got to hear a really cool interview on, of a pretty high-profile case. I can't tell you what the case is. But it was um, people that were presenting information to law enforcement. And w- the reason why they presented this to me was for me to hear the law enforcement's reactions. And some of the stuff, they would drop these bombshells, stuff I've never heard about these this big case. And I'm I'm going, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And the detective is stone-faced, you know, yeah, what else you got? Well, throughout the interview, you start realizing that big bombshell that they're dropping on him, he's already heard. He's already been working on. Somebody else told him or they've already worked it or they know that it's a dead end. Right. Uh, There was a couple other things. Again, bring up a couple things that I thought were bombshells didn't seem that interested the longer they talked you start realizing uh he you know actually showed his hand on a couple things saying you know that one thing that you brought up i've never heard before that's that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. he just didn't do it so at the time and i and that could mean nothing but i think um it just seems like one of the again i i hate to you know um, keep beating this drum, but it seems like there's some information that maybe law enforcement can give us that would help, and 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 or somebody could come forward and say, I saw these three guys that night, or this drunk guy George. Somebody else could come forward mm-hmm. if they told drunk guy George if they were dumb enough to go to a, a fourth party. If there's three individuals involved and say, can you help us clean our car? Which seems it that seems like a that's why it sounds like a drunk bullshit story. Right. At first, when I go through that, I'm like, I'm, I want to toss it out and say, no, nope, doesn't seem right to me. But if maybe in a panic, they go, we have no ability to wash our clothes. You know what I mean? If, if yeah, whatever they're trying to achieve. They're young and, and dumb enough. Right. If whatever they're trying to achieve, they have no ability at that time to do that. They may have reached out to somebody that they thought, wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah, and again, this is years later. So, or somebody that would help them, and then in trade, you go, well, he can't tell anybody now. He helped us, right? Or, or he he likely would less be less likely to tell someone. Or he was on drugs, or he's such drunk that. I also don't want this to de- to deter anybody from going to police or any type of law enforcement agency. with information i'm a big if you see something say something and if it's even if it's something that you don't know if it has any importance to a case at all let let somebody know let 
the experts decide if it has any importance to the case. Yeah, at let's all. be very clear. Let's start with the idea if you know something, go to police. Right. Because I feel like in Barbara's case here, that's what we're missing. There's somebody that night. I have a my gut tells me that this is less likely to be connected to the first two murders in this series. I feel like there's too many moving parts and pieces where she could have just went with somebody she knew. We have her family saying she would have went in a car with people she knew. She would have accepted a ride with somebody she knew. There's the bike shop. There's her other friend's house. There's her boyfriend's house, whatever type of relationship they were having. And she knows all these people in this area. This area we're talking is about one mile from her home. Yeah, I wish we knew who gave Jerry the alibi. Because if one of those individuals is somebody that is a part of one of these rumors, could be the two brothers, right? Then it, you know, and then of course that makes a great alibi too, because you got two people saying, "Well, he was actually with us, so right. no big deal." But uh, by the way, he was with us while we were killing this poor girl. So, but I think sometimes with their when there's smoke, there's fire, and there seems to be some details about this. You know, one some piece of of possible evidence that points to more than one person. And then you have a story that's pointing to more than one person when there's smoke, there's sometimes fire. Yeah. I mean, you had just the simple fact of, all right, I like a nice drunk person as much as the next guy. Let's pretend that drunk George is telling the truth. Well, now we have two stories linking Barbara to Jerry. We have her friend, Michelle saying, Not only did she tell me to drop her off in this area, she was getting dropped off in this area because she said she was going to Jerry's or that she was going to meet up with Jerry. Right. Then some time frame goes by and now poof, Jerry and two brothers show up talking to George and they need help getting their car cleaned up and their clothes cleaned up. Right. Which would make sense that the murder took place somewhere, maybe even in the car or that blood happened during the transportation of, of the body. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I I will never say 100% that I trust this George's story, but the interesting thing is the missing time frame involved all seems to, it, it ends with Jerry and then picks up and starts again with Jerry. For more information on this case, you can check out the Justice for Barbara Blatnick Facebook page. And if you have any information regarding this unsolved murder, please submit a tip. We want to thank everybody for listening. If you want to check out our old episodes, download the Stitcher app. They're all free on the Stitcher app. And check out our weekly show, our bonus show on Stitcher Premium called Off the Record. I think you'll find it thoroughly entertaining. Thank you to this week's sponsors, and thank you to all of you awesome folks out there for listening and telling a friend. Until next time, be good, be kind, and don't litter.
This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.